Welcome to the Garden Culture Podcast, hosted by me, Bailey Van Tassel. I'm a self-taught gardener, busy wife and mother, and small business owner on a mission to live a garden-inspired life. Each month, we will explore what's going on in the garden and fields, as well as get to know incredible people who infuse their own lives with the magic of the garden. For more information on any techniques, recipes, or ideas mentioned here, please visit us at baileyvantassel.com slash podcast. Hello, my friends. Today we have a solo show because I want to dig into some gardening, maybe not 101, but just some sort of basics. We just hit summer and it's June. However, summer is when we start planning for fall winter, right? You should have almost every U.S. hardiness zone should have everything in the ground to some degree by now. So we're doing a ton of tending, tasking, helping things grow up their trellises, making sure we're not getting pests and diseases, all of that. But we can really set our gaze on the next coming season, especially if you're starting anything from seed, you need to order those now and get like a vision for how you're going to take your beds as they are now and turn them, you know, in a couple months, depending on where you live. So Um, With that in mind, the next couple solo shows will be sort of focused forward on that. But today, what I really want to touch base on are some gardening approaches, styles, philosophies, if you will, three in particular, which I have focused on in my garden. I sort of do a mix of the three. I've done a lot of research and it's sort of in my brain, I suppose, uh, with one standing out as like most accurate to how I garden specifically. But I wanted to talk through these with you guys in case it's something you just want to wrap your head around, try some new approaches, all of that. So um, I'm super excited to just give my two cents about these gardening approaches. So the three approaches I'm going to talk about are square foot gardening, French intensive gardening, and no-till. And they all have elements of each other embedded within with the primary common thread being growing a lot of things in a small space. Um, Actually, I guess no-till doesn't really have much to do with less space. In fact, that's more best suited for gardening in ground, which is typically where we have more space. Um, I don't know why I associate gardening in ground with more space, but That's how I think about it, I suppose. But you could have a small amount of space where you're growing in ground and no-till would work. Uh, So I'm going to start off with square foot gardening. And I'm going to kind of walk you guys through the basics of it and some pros and cons. And then sort of the end-all be-all of how we should all be choosing our approach and the way we tend our garden will have to do with one one key important feature. And I'm not going to tell you now. So square foot gardening, um, someone bought the book for me actually and uh, a while ago because it's one of the more famous sort of modern recent philosophies to come out. Um, And the book is really fantastic and it's really a fabulous approach. Uh, And there was a gentleman who wrote this book. I'm like, his name is Mel. And one of the great things about Mel is he also has this fantastic approach to soil. Uh, If you Google like Mel's mix, which I can put in the show notes, 
he'll talk about how he fills his raised beds and he uses, and this is going to tie in with another approach I'm going to mention in a second, but he uses like a very, very airy soil mixture, which allows roots to go deeper. But the whole premise behind square foot gardening obviously is using one square foot. So one foot by one foot to map out your garden. Now, Mel's whole philosophy is rooted in actually building a grid on top of your garden with like wood or string so that you can literally see each square foot. I don't like the way that that looks, so I don't do that, but you can actually just press into the soil with like the edge, like the two inch edge of a two by four or or even like a one by one um, and make divots in the soil if you're planting one full bed at one time. But, um, which is a great hack. And that's sort of something that you'll see like a Monty Don do over in Britain. If you guys aren't already absolutely obsessed and addicted to everything Monty Don does, what are you doing? He's the host of Gardener's World. It's my favorite show. Anyway, square foot gardening. So um, I love the square foot gardening approach because this was the first time um, I really kind of saw a like I would say hyper biodiverse approach to planting the garden in a very dense way, very intense planting where each square foot is designed for a certain crop. So for example, one square foot is great for like one head of broccoli or one square foot is great for like four heads of four seeds of arugula that are going to come up. But a lot of times what Mel recommends is using each square foot to plant a mixture of things. So let's say you do like you know, romaine and nasturtium and dill in one square foot, those are complementary and they're very biodiverse. And so you get a really, really thick, densely planted raised bed or, you know, square foot of bed. And it has high yields and allows you to maximize your space. Now, another pro, when you fill your beds up like this and really densely plant, it keeps weeds down. But a con is when things are really close together, depending on where you live, it can create a little more opportunity for pest, disease, or fungus, right? Because there's not as much air flowing through. But the hope is that you've planted plants that will help deter pests and that will allow space because of the square foot method, each plant getting the space that it needs to, you know, create that airflow. So that's square foot gardening. There's a book about it. If that interests you, if you're like a very linear thinker and you want someone to like, you like things to be very, like there's a very tactical plan. Square foot gardening is so, so right for you. Now, the next method is uh, most closely to what I do. And it's because I found this tiny little book in a thrift store in St. George, Utah. Once I was visiting my father who was going through some cancer treatment. And we were just like walking main street and popped into a, you know, an old used bookstore, which is like the best case scenario for a day, found this gardening books. I'd been talking about wanting to start gardening and, um, loved it, loved it. It's called the postage stamp garden is what the book's called. Again, I'll link it. There's a few copies you can get online. I think it was written in the seventies and, um, French intensive gardening is the approach that this book was based on. So it's really, really similar to square foot gardening, except less confined. Like either we're not putting grids on the soil. We're not thinking necessarily in terms of square feet. There's a little bit more like row planting and sort of singular crop growing 
in a bed with companions layered on top, which is a little more what I do, um, rather than thinking in square foot by square foot. But French intensive gardening was actually really came to be in the 16th century. These Parisian market farmers who were trying to grow a ton of food to feed the masses in these small gardens developed this approach. And it is, again, sort of similar to the square foot gardening method where soil is really important. And it's all about creating really, really healthy, um, porous soil where roots can go really deep as opposed to wide. So when your roots go deep, it creates a stronger, healthier plant, but also takes up less soil. And you can start to think about planting things together based on the root depth. So for example, tomatoes will put out a taproot, right? And so that goes really deep into the soil. And then around one tomato plant, you can put basil, marigold, borage, and those have more shallow root systems that will sit higher up. Um, And that really helps you maximize your yield and your space. So these Parisian market farmers come up with these intensive methods. And then I read about it when it became popular again in the seventies. I read about it obviously in, you know, whatever, 2017. But um, it is really focused on soil health, on using really high quality compost. And it's kind of, it, it was really rooted, pun intended, in the idea of raised beds because that allows maximum control over your soil. And if you have bad soil, you can just put good soil on top of your surface, right? And create at least 12 inches of space for these roots to go really deep. So French intensive gardening also really throws like conventional spacing guidelines to the wayside. And I love that. Uh, it I feel like it's become sort of intuitive to me what plants need, what amount of space. Visually, you can see bigger plants need more space. Um, sometimes roots are tricky, but uh, people often ask me all the time, do I really need to space my plants out by the way the seed packet describes it or like whatever I've Googled? And my answer is no, definitely not. However, tomatoes, continuing on with this example, I think conventionally you're supposed to plant them 18 to 24 inches apart. I think 18 actually is a great amount of space depending on the variety, especially if you have a uh, determinate tomato, which is going to bush out and give you all the tomatoes at one time. You do want to give it some space because it's going to go horizontal with the leaves and you don't want the leaves too close together because tomatoes can be finicky when I grow them at least and get, you know, blight and like all these things. But I usually plant mine about 12 inches apart. And then again, really densely sort of interplant around them with the basil, the marigold, the borage and things like that. So that is the French intensive philosophy. And uh, again, you aren't really weeding as much because you're really filling your beds up, Uh, but you are, you know, constantly out there harvesting and you're replacing crops as you go. So that's something that I really do a lot. If something is looking sad or if it's time to harvest it all, it comes out and then I fill the soil with something else. So we're kind of always thinking about succession sowing and crop rotation simultaneously and trying to get as much out of the space that we have. Okay, real quick. I want to tell you about the Kitchen Garden Society. It's my monthly gardening club for all levels of gardener and in all U.S. hardiness zones. We're helping gardeners everywhere save time, maximize your yield, and build your true instincts. Each month in the Kitchen Garden Society, you get a to-do list of what to be harvesting, sowing, and transplanting, as well as what you should tend and task to. 
You get seasonal recipes and deep dive timely lessons to accompany the skills you're going to need in the garden this time of year. You hear from experts each month and get daily inspiration for seasonal living, as well as the opportunity to share and ask questions in our members-only Facebook group. I hope you'll visit us at thekitchengardensociety.com and check it out. So um, the third approach is what, you know, just sort of commonly referred to as no-till. No-till or no-dig gardening and made famous by two people. One is Ruth Stout and the other is Charles Dowding. Charles Dowding is alive and well, again, in Britain. He's fantastic, written a ton of books. Um, Ruth Stout is, you know, predates him. And Ruth Stout's whole method was like heavy, heavy, heavy mulch. And um, like we're talking six inches of rotted hay on top of the soil, throwing some potatoes in and then literally never touching it again, you know, for a couple of weeks, throwing more mulch on top. She was very, very like low impact. Mama don't got time for this. Like, you know, just super crazy hands off gardening, but getting high yields. And Ruth Stout really was sort of like the grandmother of that sort of no-till gardening. Um, Charles Dowding came in and he has helped showcase how to really take any type of soil, especially like a lawn, and turn that into a really stunning flourishing garden. So he's all about sort of killing the lawn and the weeds by like suffocation essentially. And then turning that soil over, mulching heavily, putting like cardboard down on top of it and building above that, which is really similar to lasagna gardening, which is like really similar to Hugel culture. And another approach you'll hear is back to Eden. So within this sort of no-till bucket, we've got Ruth Stout, Charles Dowding, then the lasagna method, back to Eden and Hugel culture. So they're all really similarly talking about layering with natural ingredients that will decompose and fill your native soil up with nutrients. So as these natural materials biodegrade, the nutrients goes into the soil, you get this great bio, like you get all these great little teeny tiny microscopic organisms working for you. Um, And all these methods require just the layering of materials and goods, really high quality compost, and really um, absolutely you know, no interventions in terms of killing weeds or lawn with chemicals, right? All of these methods are organic. I'm not going to promote absolutely. I won't even tell you guys about a method if it's going to (laughs) be negative to the environment. So forgot to put that disclosure in there. Um, But each of these is like a little bit different. Um, The lasagna method is like you put down cardboard and then grass clippings and then sticks and then compost and then more leaf rot and then topsoil and then more compost. And you're like layering everything like that. Hugel culture is kind of similar. You're using like um, fallen tree branches or cut logs on the ground. And then you're, you know, rotted leaves on top of that and then compost on top of that. And you just really need sort of, again, 12 to 18 inches of like really, really porous, airy, yummy, good soil on top of whatever's going to decompose when you're thinking Hugel culture so that your plants roots aren't going down in with like the logs because sometimes wood can steal nitrogen from the soil. Um, But the thought behind Hugel culture is that that base layer of log 
really gets the time it needs to decompose without it interfering with the top layer. And I think a lot of people get freaked out about wood and wood chips in their soil. You definitely don't want a ton of wood chips in the soil you're planting in, but wood at the bottom of like the forest floor at the bottom of a Hugo culture bed is fine. And that kind of brings me to the back to Eden method, which is based around mimicking like a forest environment. And this is very sort of permaculture-y as well, where we're again, trying to mimic how something is going to decompose in nature. Um, And back to Eden is very mulch centric. So um, really keeping everything covered in mulch to keep weeds down, keep water in, regulate temperature and create a very natural environment. So those are sort of the three approaches, square foot gardening, French intensive gardening, and no-till that I have taken from uh, to create my own garden or other people's gardens. And the defining factor in all of this, what will help me choose which direction to go in is going to be personal to each garden and each person, but very, very anchored in your hardiness zone. Some people will say outside of the extreme zones, like zone 10 and zone three, like the middle zones are kind of similar. And I totally disagree. I think your US hardiness zone should absolutely dictate, that should be the first thing, stake in the ground, what we build our garden around. And then we're gonna think about our microclimate And then we're going to start thinking about the feasibility of any of these methods. So, and the reason being this, your hardiness zone is going to, is all based on weather patterns and it's going to be dictated. It's weather patterns, it's altitude. So, um, and then, so you need to understand, okay, when is it safe for me to plant? And when do my plants need to like stop being put in the ground because they're going to get killed by frost, right? So the um, Persephone hours are going to be important as well. If you're living like a really Northern place and that you're going to not get a lot of sunlight or get tons of sunlight, that comes into play too. So your US hardiness zone is super, super important so that you just know like what can you grow and what time of year, like at a very, very basic level. Then your microclimate, and this is kind of getting into the Persephone uh, component as well, but it's now in my garden, what elements am I working up? you know, working against or working for. My sunlight hours are going to be something. Um, do I have high humidity? Do I, am I coastal? Am I desert? Like what region, am I high altitude? What region am I in? And how is that taking just sort of average weather patterns and then tweaking them? So if you're zone nine and you live in South Carolina, it's going to be different than if you're zone nine and you live in the high desert of Southern California, right? So you're the closeness that you are to the equator and your sort of average weather patterns are similar. But if you're high desert, you're going to get way, way crazy extreme weather. That's really, really dry heat. You get cold winters. And then if you're in South Carolina, you're just dealing with a ton of humidity, some pest issues, and you're having like tropical storms. So That's why the hardiness zone and then microclimate is super, super important because then we can decide if there's like a certain method here that's going to work better. In my garden, I don't feel like mulching is beneficial, but in other, in desert areas where you like absolutely have to have so much more moisture or you get a ton of weeds because you get a ton of rain, 
you're in the Pacific Northwest, like you might need to be using mulch. So you need to get to know your space and what you need. And then maybe that will determine what appeals to you. Or perhaps you're on a ton of land and you've got a ton of materials available to you and you can do lasagna gardening or back to Eden method like for free or Hugo culture to build your beds. Whereas I'm somewhere I'd have to literally buy logs to fill my raised beds because I don't live somewhere where I can forage for logs. So um, these are all the things to consider when you're looking at these methods. And again, like I'm not the expert on these. There have been books published and written about all these methods. So I'm going to add a bunch of links for you guys in the show notes. But I wanted you to sort of become re-familiarized with these approaches and how to think about them so that you can expand your horizons and get ready for the next season. So if you guys have any questions, you can always email me. Um, just uh, go to the website, send me an email or however you want to do that. You can find me on Instagram. Actually, that's the best way to do it is you should DM me on Instagram, just instagram.com forward slash Bailey Van Tassel. That's usually where I hang out. I'm super responsive. Uh, try to get back to everybody. And yeah, if you have questions, let me know. If you guys are loving the podcast, I would love to hear it. Or if you left me a review, send it to a friend. Super grateful for that. So I love you guys. I hope this was life-giving and I hope you have a beautiful day. I hope this episode has been balm for the soul and inspiration for the heart. I would love if you left a review to let me know your thoughts or anything you're interested in learning. And I'm so grateful that you found this space. For more information on any techniques, recipes, or ideas mentioned, visit us at baileyvantassel.com slash podcast.